Hello and welcome to Resolutions, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. For those of you tuning in for the first time, this pod project is, excuse me, this podcast is a project by the ABA section of dispute resolution to increase the avenues where we can connect. One of three hosts serves as interlocutor, engaging in conversations with members of the dispute resolution community about topics of interest in the field. My name is Reka Rangachari, and I'm one of your hosts. I'm the executive director of the New York International Arbitration Center, and I serve on the education committee of the section. Today, we are focused on mindfulness, self-awareness, self-regulation, to be more effective in how we handle conflict. For those listening in, we know you're experts in dispute resolution, but often as we serve in the role of counsel, as arbitrator, as expert, as academic, the client or the case is chief. We are not as focused inward. And there is an intersectionality with mindfulness and conflict. To add another layer, this podcast goes live as we remain in pandemic with the second wave of global optics. And although hope is on the way with vaccines administered to frontline workers as we speak, the finish line is still some ways out for the general public. In parallel, we are at a distinct moment, a period of racial strife, as well as the promise of a new president, new vice president, a new administration, and their plan for America's future. I'm sitting down with Phyllis Morgan, founder and principal consultant at Resilient at Work. Phyllis has three decades of experience as a labor and employment lawyer working in conflict environments all over the world, including Afghanistan, Uganda, and Nepal. Phyllis has advised a host of different clients from Fortune 100 companies to cabinet secretaries to military generals, as well as the Department of Homeland Security. I'm delighted to share with you that from her work in Afghanistan, Phyllis received the NATO Service Medal, the Secretary of Defense Medal for Global War on Terrorism, and the Joint Civilian Service Achievement Award. We're going to talk about how we can focus inward and to tease out how we're able to build our legal practice in parallel with mindfulness. Phyllis, welcome to the table. Thank you so much for joining us. Rekha, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really delighted to be here and excited about um, talking about this subject of mindfulness. Fabulous. Well, let's dive in and begin with talking about your journey in the law and how your path intersected with this topic. Sure. So perhaps like, you know, many, um, many lawyers have experienced at some point in their in their careers. There was, for me, there was this experience of, um, you know, tremendous unhappiness, um, tremendous unhappiness with, you know, my, with the stress that was coming along with the, the practice. And I was in private practice at the time. Um, and interpersonal difficulties with um, other lawyers in the law firm where I was working at the time. So for me, this caused a lot of psychic, a lot of emotional suffering, just this tremendous um, 
sense of, of unhappiness and, and suffering at the way that my practice was going. And about that time, I was, um, I came across yoga, actually. And um, even though I had a lot of experience in, you know, physical fitness, um, sort, sorts of activities, you know, yoga, um, which, you know, some people might regard as some type of just physical fitness, was went well beyond that. Um, it really was sort of a doorway to this um, spiritual practice. And so studying yoga and engaging in, in yoga really began this journey of mindfulness. From yoga, I was introduced to meditation, mindfulness being one form of meditation. And in particular, I had a teacher who, um, who engaged in or instructed in what some of the, our listeners might be aware of, the loving kindness meditation. And this is a particular type of meditation um, that's focused on, you know, how can we generate internally a greater sense of kindness and equanimity toward ourselves and others, especially others with whom we're having difficulty with. So I started doing that practice, that loving kindness practice every day. And I sort of sending that um, loving kindness toward the people with whom I was having difficulty with at the firm. And it really, really just resulted in a tremendous change for me. It, in a mental, emotional, internal, transformative change. And so from that um, began this, this journey of, I, I mean, I was really sort of all in from there. And I ultimately took a sabbatical and went to what I call the source, India, to study for, for a year and a half. So that's sort of how the, how the journey began. Beautiful. I have to ask a, a personal interest, <laughs> as a uh -huh. I guess we get that luxury. Where in India were you studying? I think I asked this also because our listeners may be tuning in, may be um, relating to your story. And, and as we think about one day when we get to travel again freely, um, they may look upon where you went as an option as they give it a Google. So, uh, <laughs> sure. So, I spent most of my time um, in, in India and in Thailand studying. And um, in India, I studied in Mysore, um, which is sort of regarded as yoga mecca. Um, and at the time I studied with um, some of the yogic masters there, um, Patabi Joyce, I studied at his studio and he has since passed away, passed away a few years ago. And in Thailand, one of my favorite um, retreat centers is a place called Suwan Mok, which is in Southern Thailand. So those were a couple of the principal um, study places, in addition to a place called the Root Institute, which is in Northern India in Bodh Gaya, the state of Bihar. And there, you know, practitioners or people with, with no um, experience in meditation or mindfulness 
um, can go and study um, study meditation, study, you know, the sort of Eastern spiritual traditions. This is a Buddhist-based uh, Buddhist based meditation center. So that's also, um, that was also a favorite place. Amazing. Um, thank you so much. Um, I wanted to ask a follow-up question as well. You know, um, as you yourself are going through your work trajectory, focusing in on mindfulness. You know, you were also in these very intense global environments where you were working. And so what is the intersectionality or the synergy between the conflict you see that you are helping to mediate or arbitrate or address in a legal setting? Um, and then, you know, the conflict internally, how can we sort of link these up as we're talking um, to folks, our listeners, who are sort of managing all spheres of this, and in truth, in pandemic, we're managing all things in parallel. How do you, how do you assess these intersectionalities, and how do we make sure we're also taking time to focus inwards? Yeah, I think um, so. Uh, so a couple of things stand out um, in in response to to your question, Reka. One one is. I think that, well, well first, th there has to be um, an intention, I think. There has to be this sense that what I'm doing right now isn't working well, um, isn't, you know, is, isn't meeting my needs as, as well as I would like them to. And so whatever strategies that I'm using right now um, may need to be tweaked, right, may need to be changed, may need to be transformed somehow. So first, I think that there has to be sort, sort of this inward shift, mental shift that people have, that what they're doing right now um, is, not, is not sufficient. So that inward motivation then propels you know, change in, in, in whatever direction. But, but I think that that has to happen first because I've seen a lot that if we, if we think everything is fine and nothing, you know, if we think everything is okay, then of course there's, there's nothing to change, right? There's no motivation um, to, um, to try to, to, to change our situation for, for the better. So first, I think that internal motivation um, for change needs to happen. And then, so, so with that motivation, I mean, like right now, there are tre a tremendous number of resources around mindfulness. When I first, um, when I first sort of entered, you know, the corporate space, um, introducing mindfulness to organizations, this was in 2006, 2007, there was practically no interest in it here in the United States. At that time, it was regarded as, you know, sort of woo-woo, a little granola-ish, you know, what is this mindfulness stuff that you're talking about, Phyllis? Um, and there's been a sea change, a sea change um, since, since that time. There's much more interest in it, it's very much in the um, in, in in our zeitgeist, in our in our um, vernacular these days. And so, 
I say all that to say that this area is much more accessible for people who want to explore it. So that's the other thing. So first there's this motivation, there's this motivation for change because what you're doing now isn't sufficient to, to meet your needs and you recognize that. And so there's this urge to do something different. Well, what do you do? If you're exploring mindfulness, there's no better time than, than right now because there's just a tremendous number of resources um, to be able to help to, to be able to explore that, including some of my resources, which I hope we'll talk about. And then the third thing that I've been noticing um, in terms of this intersectionality you talked about is what I see as a real need, I think, for people to be more courageous when it comes to our what's happening with us emotionally, what's happening with us in terms of our own sort of inner landscape. And, and now I'm thinking in particular about a situation um, in, in, in Afghanistan. So I was working with senior leaders, senior Afghan leaders at the Afghanistan Ministry of, of Defense. And one of my clients was a lawyer who was the head of procurement. And the short story is that, you know, his team was responsible for reviewing contracts from the, the, from the contracting department to ensure um, that the contract terms were appropriate before and, and that the bidding process, specifications and so forth, for contracts that were going to be let were proper. Well, he was having a feud with the head of the, the contracting department. And this feud resulted in these two department heads not talking. And so the procurement department never reviewed the bid, the bid responses. They didn't review the bids before they went out, meaning they didn't review the specifications and so forth. And this resulted in in, in one instance, you know, a company winning the contract for, I think they were radios, but because the specifications were wrong and no one had, no, none of the lawyers had reviewed them, the, the radios weren't what the Afghan soldiers needed. So millions of dollars were wasted because these two folks were having this feud and you know, couldn't, couldn't work together. So I worked with my client who was a procurement head. And one of the things that was clear was that, you know, he understood, you know, and we talked through this problem and he understood the consequences of this conflict that he was having with this other person. And they were serious, as I've just indicated. And what a lot of my work, Reka actually involved helping him to, um, to sort of gather his courage to do some outreach to this other person, um, and so that's and so that's what that's what we worked on. So you know, sort of strategizing, thinking, talking through, like what can we do to bring these two people closer together so that they can resolve this conflict 
that was having such such serious consequences. And so in, in my work as an employment lawyer, I see that so many uh, managers, employees, leaders are lacking this sort of sense of courage to to stand in 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 the difficult space, um, to be in the difficult space with with their own emotions. You know, conflict. Of course, nobody likes conflict. Um, it's difficult. It's hard a lot of times. And the emotions that are generated from this conflict can be untenable for a lot of people. They can be scary. They can be um, something that that we want to want to um, not want to accept. And so I think that you know being able to experience more courage, more courage, take a more courageous stand when it comes to our own emotions can go a long way in helping us stand in, in conflict, you know, with, with greater, um, with greater intelligence, with greater stability, and in turn help us resolve conflict with greater, with greater wisdom. You know, that is really illustrative of how we see it at our work and how we could see it then, you know, also internally. I'm going to switch gears uh, for a moment. Thanks for sharing that um, with our listeners. So I know you are in the throes of a new book to be published by Forbes Books, working title now reading Courage in Conflict, a Manager's Guide to Reducing Conflict using mindfulness. Can you tell us a little bit more about this labor of love? It is a labor of love. Thank you. Thank you for, for, um, for sharing that, uh, Reka. It, so this really, the book flows from what I've just, sort of what I've just described as what I've seen as this challenge that so many people have in terms of dealing with the internal landscape. Um, this intersection, if you will, of emotional intelligence and married marry to conflict. So emotional intelligence within this context of conflict. And so the book is meant to be a sort of a hands-on tool that people can use. It's a process that I describe. The, the acronym of which is SNAP-BC. Uh, more about that in a moment. But SNAP-BC is really this process that we can go through in the moment when we're experiencing conflict to help us maneuver through conflict in a way that's not so um, sort of treacherous and give us greater space mental space, emotional space to make better decisions when we're in that conflict space. So SNAP BC, um, S-N-A-P-B-C. So the S is for see it, um, see, see the conflict as it's arising, see what's happening within us as it's arising during this conflict situation. So that might be fear, 
which is which is is a predominant response to conflict, or it might be anger. So see what's arising um, with within ourselves, and also externally, not turning away from that. Um, the N is for name it. So if we actually name the thing that we're experiencing, name this feeling of fear, for example, you know, there's really great research that shows that when we put a label to an emotion, to a feeling, that that immediately begins this dampening effect. So that's already beginning to help us regulate these strong um, fight or flight responses that we often have to the conflict. A is for acceptance. What I'm seeing um, is that so often we don't want to accept the difficult circumstances that we're in or even the emotions which are quite natural and quite normal that we have. We don't want to accept them. Doesn't mean that we have to like them, but it, it's it's this fundamental recognition that we're in this difficult and unpleasant spot, and that's our reality right now. So this acceptance piece is really, really huge, actually, because I think that that's one of the biggest pieces that um, it's our rejection or um, aversion, resistance that contributes to so much damage. P is for pausing. When we're in this conflict, often we are on automatic, right? Automatic pilot. And so we're just doing the thing, we're, re we're reacting in the way that we've reacted for so many years, partly due to our upbringing, our conditioning, our messaging, and so forth. And so if we if we want to change this, let's we can just pause our actions in the moment. Just stop that automatic doing. B, breathe, take some deep breaths. This activates the relaxation response, which is in contrast to the fight or flight response. The immediate, so that also helps to calm down the body, calm down the mind. And so now we're in this better reflective space to see, choose, choose a better response, an informed response to the conflict. And so that that doesn't mean necessarily that you know, um, you, you you can figure out everything that needs to be done right there, right then and there. It might mean a good choice right now is to say, okay, let's revisit this at some other time. Um, maybe you're not in a position to really work on, you know, conflict resolution at that time. And so you choose to um, work with a person to re-engage at another time. So that's what the book is about, um, the SNAP-BC process, which is meant to help um, those who struggle with, you know, their sort of internal uh, getting a handle on themselves, um, in, internally regulating their strong emotions. This process is meant to help us gain better control over our sort of inner states so that we can make better decisions. Amazing. Well, <clears throat> those listening in, one more time, that acronym, SNAP-BC, C, 
name, accept, pause, breathe, and choose. Snap BC. Okay. That's right. <laughs> we are moving next to talk about the mindful management of self in conflict scale. It's a mouthful, Reka. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to pause. And so again, for those listening in, Phyllis has developed this mindful management of self in conflict scale. And so Phyllis, we need to get the down low. What was the impetus? How can we implement? And where can our listeners find this scale? The four yes. <laughs> yes. So, so I just described the SNAP BC approach. And, you know, as, as I've described it, you know, for those people who are struggling with or think they might be struggling with getting a better handle on, on um, regulating themselves, their strong emotional responses, um, being less reactive um, in conflict. So the question is, well, where do you stand? How do you know if you're one of those people <laughs> or not, right? And so the MMSC, the Mindful Management of Self and Conflict Scale is an assessment tool that helps people um, better see where, where their levels of mindfulness in the, in the context of conflict um, are, where, where they lie. And so this scale brings together, you know, the, the research uh, in these four, that, that looks at the, we know that there are four principal domains um, that are at play and that are significant in this intersection, conflict and mindfulness. And so I won't reveal what, what, what those are. Um, the scale then helps us to measure how we're doing in these four principal domains that are relevant in, in, in that area. So it's meant to you know, help people have some idea of how well they're doing. So it's it it, it so the 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 lower the number, so there are no specific cutoffs for the for the scale. Um, higher numbers mean that mean that you have greater um, levels of awareness, that you have greater levels of regulation and and so forth, that you're doing better um, in these four domains. Lower numbers mean that there are areas of improvement. And so if you take the scale, you will get immediate results as well as some tips for where you can go to um, improve numbers that are low. Okay, and um, where can our, I, I have to admit, I have, the test up on my screen due to take it <laughs> after after we speak. I, um, but where can folks find it? Yes, they can go to www.smartbizquiztribe.com. I'm sorry, this is sort of, this is a mouthful. Backslash quiz, backslash 2187. That's smartbizquiztribe.com backslash quiz, Q-U-I-Z backslash 2187. 
And we'll go ahead and include that hyperlink in the description for this program. So folks that want to be taking the test and evaluating themselves will have access to it beyond Phil is sharing it there. Well, this has been a really insightful session, Phyllis. I wanted to give you the floor for any closing remarks before I go ahead and say farewell to our, our guests. Well, thank you so much, Reka. I've really enjoyed um, being with you today. And I am. I just want to say that this, this topic of, of mindfulness in the context of, of conflict is one that we are not, I, I think that this is an area that we could see a lot more development for uh, improved conflict resolution. And so I'm, I'm doing my part, um, you know, with, you know, with a book, with, with a quiz, and I, I look forward to, you know, helping um, other people as they, you know, sort of move through move through this process and sort of ground what 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 we're seeing you know with mindfulness is that there is there's a lot of theory out there about mindfulness um, and what we could use more of is how what I call applied mindfulness and that is how we apply mindful techniques and strategies on the ground to deal with specific issues, specific problems. And this, the Mindful Management of Self Scale, the Courage and Conflict book with the SNAP BC process is, is meant to help do that. It's applied mindfulness on the ground to this subject of interpersonal conflict. Okay, well, Phyllis, what a pleasure to sit down with you. To those who are tuning in, this is really a story about creating a pathway when you see a challenge to improve our practice and create an opportunity for your own personal brand. As Phyllis said it best, we need to look inward, acknowledge the need for change, have the motivation for change, be the change, and then be courageous to stand in that difficult space. Phyllis, thanks again for your time. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in and we'll be with you again shortly. Stay safe and stay well. Thank you, Reka, and th thank you um, to all the listeners. Thank you very much.